Hi, friend. Welcome back. I'd love to hear what you think of the podcast. You can send me an email at imissyoupodcast at gmail.com, or you can head over to our Insta at imissyoupodcast and leave a comment. And if you're feeling extra kind, please hop over to Apple Podcasts and make it rain with stars with a review. This week's guest is the fourth and final installment in this little trip to radical fairyland, at least for the moment. And the final time you'll hear me say to hop over to that bonus episode of Chatroom, The Radical Fairies, for a little context for this conversation. My guest this week is Chris, whose energy to this day amazes and confounds me. When I met Chris in fall 2016 in Los Angeles, they were keeping a social calendar that not even the Kardashians could keep up with. They organized a hiking group that at moments saw upwards of 30 people on one trip, trekking terrain in and around Los Angeles, as well as keeping a fast-paced job as a producer for a major film and TV studio, and still finding the time to run all over town to parties and engagements like some sort of 21st century Mame Dennis. Here is my catch-up with Chris. So, here we are. Here we are. How are you? (laughs) I'm really well. It's so nice to hear your voice and see your face. And see my face. Mm -hmm. Eating a microphone. Um, How is your pandemic going? (laughs) It's going. I just had this conversation last night with uh, my ex, who you might remember, Armin. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't seen him in a long time, so we were catching up just about life and stuff. But uh, yeah, the pandemic has been a real weird time. I mean, it has been, I think, for everybody, right? Uh-huh. Um, it was uh, this is totally like foreign state of mind to be like in isolation and not being social and you know me i'm like a super gregarious person you know and and you're in los angeles where all i'm hearing is that it's it's getting hit quite badly there things are looking up right now though it's beginning of february i think we're past like the holiday surge and (laughs) you know people are it, it, the numbers do seem to be going down significantly. Right. So I think that's that's good. And, you know, like I've been working this whole time, which includes, you know, going to set and, um, you know, interacting with talent and mm-hmm. uh, working with crew members in close proximity indoors. And we like test rigorously to make sure that we're, mm-hmm. you know, being as safe as we possibly can our PPE stays on the entire time. Like I do interviews like this in person, but I'm wearing a, you know, can 95 and a, a face shield the entire mm-hmm. time. So, you know, yeah. it's, are you, uh, are you in the same job title that you've been in for a couple of years now? Um, yeah, I've been producing for ABC mm-hmm. for the last four years. I was supposed to get, uh, you know, 
promote, not pro- I guess promotion title change this year, but of course, like mm-hmm. you know, shit hit the fan. So right. I'm gonna be waiting for a little bit to see how things pan out. You know, but you feel but, like you feel happy with with your job and yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing that has been exciting about my my job is that. COVID has provided endless uh, toil on how to solve brand new problems that I've never had to deal with before, mm-hmm. which makes uh, makes things really interesting, you know, I guess, in a lot of ways. Um, and it's like brought me closer to some of my work teammates that I haven't necessarily worked as closely with before, you know, and mm-hmm. putting our heads together to come up with solutions that um yeah that work more broadly for our different departments and stuff so i've been heading up a lot of sort of like the covid safety protocols um figuring that out implementing them you know we work within our company with you know a whole business sector that is all about health and safety mm-hmm. and um yeah we take it very seriously and you know since it's all started no one has gotten sick Right from any of our productions, so that's have not you, to say no one's gotten sick from you've, you've some of gotten, the. You've not gotten sick. I haven't, right? And I feel like I've interacted with a lot of people in the last, you know, year almost mm-hmm. uh, more than most, probably. Yeah, but I haven't. I haven't gotten COVID. I'm an isolationist by nature, <laughs> so I mean, I just. <laughs> I don't really put myself in situations. Oh, that, that's not entirely true because I have been going to the gym. Now, mind you, it's a rock gym. It's like the largest rock climbing gym in the States. It's pretty roomy inside. They're pretty strict on like mask wear. You have to answer questions when you get in. But that's not to say that like people don't come in through there that are, you know, ill with, with coronavirus. But other than that, like I've certainly haven't been going to any parties. I mean, I, I've been kind of since me and my dog. I have hooked, I've hooked up. So I've definitely put myself in harm's way when I've hooked up. Human nature. There's no accounting for it. <laughs> yeah. I'm you know, I you know, uh there's a lot of um I feel like we can put ourselves through some grief about that kind of stuff. And I have to say that I met someone in October of 2019 Mm -hmm. and it was just like, you know, lightning speed right into a a relationship. That's the person you're currently with, right? Correct. Yeah. And it's really pulled me through this whole (laughs) experience. I don't know what I would have done. I, you know, I probably would have gotten COVID by now for sure. But um, I just have gone mad because you, I feel like um, uh, being relational and social is your, in your DNA, it's in your chemical makeup. <laughs> for sure. And, and sexual. I feel like, yeah. you know, I identify myself as gregarious socially and sexually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, we went into that relationship prior with an understanding that, you know, there, there were going to be open aspects of our relationship and, um, 
Oh, are you talking about open, like open to other people? Like you're, you're having sex? Um... Yeah, non-monogamous. And, okay. but since the pandemic happened, we very conscientiously said, okay, we're closing our relationship right now, right. you know, to, to be safe and to be conscientious and responsible for, you know, for ourselves and for the community. Um, that's not to say that we haven't, ventured <laughs> together <right>. together okay. <laughs> yeah together uh we went on a a road trip up to seattle and back in mm-hmm. october when the numbers had gone down and um had a little fun in seattle had a little mm-hmm. fun in portland <laughs> yeah um, i mean like what are you what what are you supposed to do just i guess i guess what they what you're the ideal situation would be just to not hook up. I guess that's the that's the <laughs> ideal. Like that's the pinnacle ideal. And then yeah, yeah. I know that I've I've had this conversation with people that I the shaming that goes on for hooking up during the pandemic. Um, but I find it's really hard for me to self-shame because it's a consensual practice, you know. <laughs> I agree. I I don't think that it's fair for people to hold that over each other, you know, for a very personal decision. You know, I mean, if you're hosting 50 people orgies or something, that's a totally different story. But if you're out there seeking intimacy and, you know, physical touch that you need in order to you know, mm-hmm. experience joy and keep your sanity, I can't fault you for that, yeah. you know? And if you're taking, you know, responsible measures to a certain degree, you know, some people are, you know, have set up glory holes in their houses because that's yeah. literally determined by the CDC to be the safest sexual DIY, practice. You know, I love a good DIY sex club moment happening. Um, yeah. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? I think for me too, I I knew that I was not going to visit anyone after I'd hooked up because I live alone. So I wasn't like I was going to hook up and then go and see people and put other people at risk. For me, it felt like I was I was putting myself at risk, but not putting that on anybody else. And that was that played a little bit into my sort of mentality when it came to making that decision. And plus, I just, I, I'm sorry, but like, I, I have to have sex responsibly, but I have to have sex, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like, I feel like, you know, there, there are many ways to practice safe sex, right? Like to me, the safest sex is all about communication, right? It's just about being transparent and. Or touching you know, through saran wrap. Or, or that, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's not just about wearing a condom these days, you know, with prep. Oh, no, I was with, talking you know, about full body. Saran wrap. <laughs> <laughs> just like um, wrapping yourself in saran wrap. You know what I've been feeling like a little shame for, for sure, is that I do have a group of friends that still wants to like party and hang out and they're mm. being very impatient with the whole situation. and. I I feel I see myself like constantly being like, what are you guys doing? Why are you why are you 
like uh, some of them went to Puerto Vallarta, some of them, you know, and uh, I'm just like, now's not the time. Just have some patience. And yeah. I'm being invited to go to like Hawaii and, uh, you know, I did early on, like I think in December, we went in on a house together for a weekend in Palm Springs and it was just us sequestered for the weekend. We all got mm. tested the week before and, you know, I yeah. told some of my other friends and still got a lot of flack for it. And, you know, I mean. Yeah, that part of my art thing was a really big thing. And I think what really kind of, well, it was a big thing on many different layers. And I guess people who haven't heard about this, there was a, um, I don't remember their name, but it's the person that operates the white party, a big circuit party, essentially, which is a kind of marathon party for predominantly gay men. Um, although I, I hate to use that binary, but but yet when I see it, it really does seem to be correct. <laughs> that is really for men, gay men. But um, and and they went down to Puerto Vallarta and threw a ginormous party. And I think for me, it's like you're bringing all of that into an area. Um, and what are you, how are you putting the people in, in Puerto Vallarta, you know, that live there at risk? Not, yeah, to mention power, I, not to mention convening and then like bringing them back to wherever you're respectively going back to after Puerto Vallarta. I think as as Americans, we're so used to this idea of like individual freedoms and individuality and what it means to like, you know, have these rights and privileges as an individual and not to take into account like the community where we are, our environment. And, you know, we act very selfishly as a as a people and it's no more apparent than in those types of situations where there is complete disregard for anyone outside of themselves as an individual. And I think that's kind of going to be one of the biggest lessons coming out of the, this pandemic, I hope, is that people, that people rekindle that sense of community and like can take a step back and see outside of their own immediate needs and desires frankly because they're not even needs they're desires and people want to indulge in them and it's at the expense of people who are less privileged and i think too you know there's a lot of shaming that was going on around that on social media and stuff and i also feel a lot of that shaming although people i've heard people say you know that's the best way to get people just shame them publicly but i i feel that shaming i don't know if that's the best way to get at something and it especially is prevalent within a queer community you know well we have such a intimate relationship with shame and we know how to weaponize it in the most yeah devious ways you know because We've felt it our whole lives and we've felt it internally and we've had to wrestle with it pretty solitarily. You know, we've had to wrestle with it as individuals on our own. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think not very many of us had the tools when we were young teenagers and preteens, when we were recognizing these differences within us to cope with it. 
or the resources. Like I wasn't seeing a therapist when I was 14 and like found myself staring at boys bulges in the locker room. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I certainly wasn't seeing a therapist. I remember my, my parents had um, set me up with seeing a psychologist in my town, but I believe I went to them for one session and that was, in, that was it for me. Um, I believe, I believe it was also so long ago it was when I was really young. So I don't remember the specifics of it, but I do you know, sort of vaguely remember it. But yeah. And then I didn't have a, I didn't have a therapist until shit. I think when I was like 30. Yeah. Same. I don't think I had my first therapist until I was 30. Same. I was, yeah. It was definitely like my Saturn return time. And I was like dealing with a lot of like questions about my career and should I switch paths and, you know, right. I think I was ending a relation. I just had gotten out of a relationship and that's kind of what had triggered me to seek out a, a psychologist. My mom took me to a psychologist once and the first it was when I was maybe like 18 it was a summer back from college and I was kind of going crazy and my parents were catching on to like my drug use and you know I had like kind of uh rebelliously claimed proclaimed to be bisexual and my mom was like you know what's going on with you and yeah i do and uh i was also i i remember telling people i was bisexual because you know goddess forbid you were entirely in the same into the same sex (laughs) yeah well and i think for me like that during that part of my life i was being just like trying to be part of like a counter this idea of a counterculture that i had and like I just moved to New York and I thought it was the shit. I, I literally was like living my Brett Easton Ellis, like nightmare slash dream, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that I saw, you know, rules of attraction and red glamorama, you know, my senior year in high school. And I was like, I'm moving to New York and that's going to be my life. I don't know why it was like such on a, such a self-destructive path, but maybe, you know, I mean, that's all turned out for the better, but you know. Yeah. Now, how long have you been with your, are you calling, are you calling um, your partner, your boyfriend? Are you calling them your partner? Partner, boyfriend, I, you know, I'm not really. Right. How So, and you started, you first saw them in August, 2019. And then how long was it before you, got into a relationship like how long was your courting period before you're like we should we should get hitched oh my god john i have i'm gonna confess this because Uh you know he and i know that night no like so we met at the gym well we met on scruff and then we decided to meet at the gym because we both went to the same gym and well that's 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 a that's interesting because you're in la and there's a gym there are two gyms every block yeah, exactly. So <laughs> it made it a very easy neutral ground to just like initially meet. Well, and, I would say that depends on what gym you're going to, because I'm going to tell you that <laughs> LA fitness in Hollywood is not neutral ground. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there, that's true. There's a lot of, uh, 
subtext that goes along with meeting subtext. Gym. Gee, I mean, that's not subtext. <laughs> that is pure conscious enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we did like meet to intentionally have like a workout and talk and get to know each other. He's a bit more traditional of a traditionalist than I am. Does that mean uh, but, no sex on the first date? No, I convinced him after making out in the parking lot for a while to let me come home with him. Right. And we had, I think we did have full-on sex that first night. spent the night. And that following weekend, it was all the big Halloween parties in LA. You know, the ones that you Mm -hmm. get dolled up for and... You know, it's a big giant circuit party at a you know theater downtown, and they're a lot of fun, yeah, but they're I've very crazy. Yeah, um, and people go all out with their costumes. And I, it was like maybe two in the morning, and I got invited to go back to a friend's house, a mutual friend, Tori. Right, is Tori we, still in the same place? I think so. He's lived there for a very long time. I just remember scraping a dead skunk <laughs> off of off of the like Tories like back like poor patico patio area uh-huh. off of the bricks, and there were so many little skunk babies there. Oh, like, yeah, I yeah that driveway has seen a lot of craziness. Right. So I ended up back there, uh, you know, drinking tequila with him and a bunch of fairies. And we, I invited Jesus to meet me there. It was like literally the second date. And like, we right. were really enamored with each other at the gym. And then like, you know, we had great sex. And, you know, I was like really into him, really attracted to him. And, um, you know, as we were drinking and as it was getting later and later, I was just like, hey, like, I could see this being a thing. You know, you seem like you're really easy to love. And, and this was your, the second time you saw each other. Second time. <laughs> and, I, and I basically said, like, yeah, I could, I could learn how to love you. You know, and then I, it was an interesting moment when I realized it's like, Love is not a a thing that just dawns on you, you know? It's a thing that develops over time. And I think, like, as I get older and as I start understanding relationships deeper and deeper, you realize that, like, all that takes cultivation. You know, you can learn to love. We learn to love our families who we, like, can, you know, hate from a very, like, you know, uh, idealist, you know, idealistic way. You know, we can... We can hate our families, but we still love them. Right. I think I, um, I'm notorious for for skipping town before we get to that word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm notorious. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not. I you can't. I I'm not afraid of it because you know, I think you know. There's a lot of weight that gets thrown around with the word love, but well, yeah. I mean, it's. 
there's so many different kinds of love though and like yeah but we're usually we're usually taught a very specific version of it that gets sort of that those cues get ingrained yeah that it's I like know. one particular thing like once you mention it it's like you might as well just get out the super glue and start pouring it over <laughs> each other's body and then stick together <laughs> yeah you know i think after my first my second relationship i kind of realized that even though I loved my first boyfriend and I loved my second boyfriend, the ways and reasons of how and why I loved them were very different, you know? And then I realized that like none of my relationships will ever emulate, you know, the love that I felt for someone, you know? And are you talking about like your, your, the love that you felt for like your first yeah, you know, I think I think a lot of people when they seek out love, they're trying to recreate, you know, an idea of love that they've experienced before. And I think that that's not fair to the person that you're courting or, you know, interested in pursuing a relationship with. If you're constantly, you know, looking back and saying like it's not the same. Of course it's not the same. It's a totally different person, right. you know, and I think love in a lot of ways is 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 just an openness mm-hmm. to those differences and to and like i said earlier learning how to love and that's why i said it to him i was mm-hmm. like i could learn how to love you you know um and give me and give he, me a polaroid snapshot of his response oh my god he was floored he was like what are you saying? Why are you saying this right now? And I was like, because like, I don't fucking mess around, you know, like if I'm going to, another does you tequila, know, <laughs> not with tequila. Yeah, exactly. Not with five shots of tequila down the hatch. I, I was like, I don't want to pursue something that mm-hmm. I don't see potential in. And, you know, like, and I don't want to beat around the bush. This is what I'm looking for. I'm looking for meaningful, deep relationships mm-hmm. with people. You know, and in my in my sexual relationships, in my personal relationships, in my friendships, in my coworker, you know, mm-hmm. I that it's really important to me, you know, mm-hmm. to to see people deeply and for them to see me. And that that's a little bit of a burden I put on people, I think, that sometimes, you know, is met with rejection, but I I've learned how to handle that, I think, in a lot of ways. What, expecting people to really see you? Yeah, yeah. And, ex- and like, take me in and, you know, uh, develop an appreciation for me, you know? And I understand that it's not... Po- I, for the longest time, you want it with everybody, right? Yeah, it's just not possible. Um, right. People have their own things going on. But I'm 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 glad that you are discerning of it because then you can you know pick Step and choose away. who you want to sort of bring into your circle. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I think with Jesus that that second date was like a really intense, and he ended up coming back to my house, and you know, the next morning he was like, "You remember last night?" And I was like, "Of course I remember. I remember everything." But did and you? <laughs> what I said. 
What I say? He was like, you used the four letter word. Fuck. <laughs> I was like, I feel like I use that word often. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I think he really responded also with an openness and an understanding of what I was trying to say and where I was coming from. And I think that like immediately for him signaled um, a sense of like safety too, because it immediately told him that I was, you know, serious and wanting something that he also, I think was wanting. Mm -hmm. You know, I just happened to say it super bluntly and put it out on the table, you know, and generally speaking, I kind of think that's my style. (laughs) No. Do you remember when we first met? I do. Did we meet on Scruff? I believe so. Well, you know, that's interesting to me because we had so many mutual Mutual friends. friends. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think I just moved to LA. That was like in the first week, I believe. It was. I I remember because I... It was a week. It was the night that I had gotten back from a weekend trip to Catalina with a group of friends. And I was driving back from Long Beach and you and I had were planning this. Right. And I got home and that's and you came over. I just came over. We didn't even meet out. No, you just came over. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that I mean, that's my style usually. <laughs> At least yeah. in the past was my style. But yeah, and then, yeah, and then funny enough, we we had a big group of friends, and I guess, you know, you'd mentioned the word fairies earlier, um, and just to sort of fill people in that are listening to what that is, um, is that how would you describe it? I mean, it's a, it's like a, it's not. I don't want to say it's a movement, but I guess it. It was it in the seventies. There was a there was a sort of counterculture of predominantly gay men, I believe, predominantly gay white men, gay men, white body sure. gay men. Yeah. Um, although that's that's changed, but um, but this is how it began. It's predominantly white bodied gay men coming from urban centers, I believe, New York City, mostly and San yeah. Francisco, and moving into or moving on to land where there was a lot of land to kind of have a self-sustaining kind of farming um, community where they lived off the grid and on the land. And it provided a sanctuary. You know, there were people who were caretakers of the land who had decided to leave these urban areas. And also, you know, there was an open invitation to queers from across the country to Mm -hmm visit as a as a sanctuary as a natural you know sanctuary for gay men to sort of revisit nature themselves mm-hmm. have a little solitude um and sort of slow down a little bit of like a, a i would would you call it pagan or there was oh yeah when I, sometimes sort of when i describe it to somebody who doesn't know i'm like oh yeah uh i go to this like forest fairy witchy pagan sex cult in the middle of the woods <laughs> once a year and it's my church yeah so so the organizing <laughs> events that usually happen um are around 
holidays um, or or celebrations around the idea of the of the sabbats. So you know, like a winter solstice, a summer solstice, Beltane, um, Samhain, things like that. Um, yeah, it's very rooted in in that pagan. Um, yeah. natural belief system, right? And a large, this group of friends that we shared were people that would go to to fairyland, basically. Um, yeah, because I remember the first, I remember the first time I went and I wasn't planning on going. So I got, I think I got to LA in August of 2016. And then the first time I went was for the big Beltane um festival which would have been in the last week of april and then beltane of course is on may 1st in and 2017 i uh, yeah it wasn't 2017 okay i believe oh that makes that makes sense because yeah. i was like i think that was my second beltane but it was but it was my third beltane overall because there's another sanctuary yeah there are so there are Oregon. sanctuaries all over the world it was it was quite eye-opening it worked a lot of things simultaneously <laughs> it was working yeah, on a lot of you, things um you know you you do a lot of acid there are bonfires there are drumming circles um a lot of things are happening um and then we we're, we're basically there for what like seven days yeah i usually go for five to seven days yeah camping um intense in the woods coming together for community meals for community practices um to honor the land the ancestors to also um honor the indigenous and um native land that we were on yeah but i remember i it's a lot of lot of acid but then also at the same time, I know for me, because I'm, I'm very introverted and this is not really the space to be introverted in. You can be introverted all you want, but you are surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. Like you can go and you can go and just stay in your tent the whole time. But there's a lot of people around, and I and I know that it was really working my ability to just sort of start talking to random people, which I wouldn't usually do. I'm like very anxious in the social situations. Then of course you get my, get on some acid or something. You're like, oh, <laughs> my image of you at Beltane is wearing like a flowy black frock. <laughs> you know, with like poncho style and just like gracefully like taking steps through the woods, down the path, you know, and I'll spot you coming down and I'll be with like a group of people and we're like cackling, giggling, like, you know, cause we're all so high and drunk or, you know, on God yeah. knows what. And just like, you know, just making jokes and being stupid. And then John comes through with this graceful swan of a man, you know, or, or not man, but right. of a being, being, this graceful swan of a being. Yeah, just that's like, the, yeah, we wore some frocks. So that's the thing is that there are different themed parties <laughs> and themed events. And bitches bring some frocks. I mean, like bitches pack some suitcases and some duffel bags and put turn out a look for these things and i was not about to 
to not do my best at turning out look for these. Oh my god, you wore this amazing like (laughs) feather collar. Oh, that picture of the of you, me, Nick, and Kyle. Yeah, that might have been your second year. I think. I believe you are correct. Because I wore that gold poncho thing with the right. wrestling mask and the antlers. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think you get out of going to? I'll just call it fairyland. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting question. And I feel like I get something different out of it every year. I know my first year, I had no idea what to expect. And it's like, the way you get there is just so random too. You know, I think you hear about it through a friend and then they say, oh, you want to come? Well, you know this is how you get there. And you basically email, you know, someone who's coordinating some, you know, and transportation ride, uh, and you're waiting yeah. at, you land and you just sit on the curb waiting for the freaking like freak show bus to come <laughs> by. And it's like all aboard. And then they whisk you away into the woods for and like you arrive and set up your like camp. 90, and, yeah. 90 minute drive. It is a journey. Yeah. And, um, you know, you get on the land and everybody's just like in, you know what it is. It's like, oftentimes people, I think, get into costume to like be in a character and people go there to get into a costume that reveals their true selves, you know, or like the idea that Mm. they want to express as them their true selves. And it's no longer costume, you know, it's like, oh, I'm wearing this because I think this makes me look beautiful. And this is like the fullest ex- like physical expression of what mm. I think is inside of me, you know? And I think that's what people go there for is to discover and unveil that and, you know, dig it out. And, and I think a lot of people go there to work through, you know, some shit because... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a place where you're allowed to dive into the difficult parts of, of life and thoughts and the mind, you know, and especially when you're on psychedelics, you know, you have an opportunity to, to really dive deeply into yourself and, you know, reveal, you know, those things that you didn't even know you needed to discover or, you know, explore. And I think, you know, I went there with an expectation, I think my first year of like having lots of sex and connecting with people intimately. Bacchanalian. Yeah, Bacchanalian. Exactly. I thought we were going to like celebrate Dionysus, you know, (laughs) and, um, and it was not that, you know, at all. I mean, I did, you know, have some intimate experiences and I was Mm -hmm much more i really discovered um a deeper connection to sex through the fairies in that like i think previously my relationship to sex was a bit more frivolous you know um it was more just about action and activity rather than and, connection rather than connection and intimacy 
And I think um, having nothing but the woods and, you know, this community of people and time, because it really kind of becomes meaningless when you put your phone away and you're not wearing a watch, you, you know, lose complete sort of context of how much time is passing by when you're there. And, uh, give you know, giving yourself over to intimate experiences and... Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you know, kissing each other on the cheek and going about your merry way and realizing that you can have a really, really deep experience, mm -hmm. even though it doesn't necessarily last beyond that, you know? I've definitely... Or it some, does. Yeah, it just turns into something else, you know? I've met some people who I became... I became friends with there that I didn't know before I went in there that I'd actually visited quite a quite often afterwards. Like the a few of the Chicago queens I've seen in Chicago. I went to I've gone to visit a, a few times actually. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a wonderful part about this community is that it really provides you with a a safety net, like wherever you want to go. Which has been incredible, you know. If you wanted to go to Chicago, you can call up a fairy friend and stay on their couch or maybe in their bed. <laughs> Hi, it's me. Sorry to break up the conversation, but I'm stepping into the sponsorship space, wink, wink, for a moment to tell you about something extra special, Patreon. Patreon is a membership-based platform for content creators to earn a monthly income while providing rewards and perks to you, our subscribers. I Miss You has two recurring monthly membership levels starting at $5. So what do I get for that $5, you say? Well, my undying gratitude for one. Isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. Come on. You'll get bonus content every other week, including videos by me, Patreon-only posts and updates, and access to the members-only Facebook group, where you can connect with me and other listeners, share stories of reconnecting, oh, and join in on a once-a-month Facebook live chat, where you can ask me questions about the show. Your monthly sponsorship supports producing the podcast, including website and other platform fees. Uh, they really add up. Recording studio rental, editing equipment, and let's be honest, probably some treats for my dog, Najdia. She's hungry like all the time. Visit imissyoupodcast.com for a link to our Patreon page. And if all that business isn't of interest to you, but you would still like to support the show, you can make a one-time donation through our website as well. Oh, and another way to show support is by sharing our podcast with your dog. Kidding. Sharing this podcast with everyone you know. Seriously, everyone. Now, back to the episode. <laughs> I was so glad to see that they were creating that BIPOC only mm -hmm. um space on the land i don't really know if i knew the logistics of what it was entailed like i know that they were building a kitchen and they were doing some fundraising for it but i mm -hmm. guess it must be finished they must have finished building it now because we because of the pandemic we missed going last year there was a fall retreat the fall retreat is missed and we're gonna they're not opening it up again this year so it'll be two years have gone by until we maybe get back to yeah and you know the the gatherings are their biggest source of, of income, income. Yeah. so whenever they typically happen you know 
each one of us donates what we're able to. There's no one gets turned away for lack of funds. And, um, you know, that's a beautiful part about it because obviously people come from different places and have different amount of privilege. And it's kind of a great equalizer being there too, in a lot of ways, you know, you don't know where people are from, what they, Mm -hmm. and their baggage necessarily. I mean, unless they come to show it off, you know. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that can I, happen. I do feel I mean, it's not without its problems, though, because I was, you know, they needed to designate because everything is communal. They did need to, like, start designating some time for for different bodies to shower at times where they were be they would be with similar bodies and not um, surrounded necessarily by, you know, gay men having sex in the in the showers in the sauna. Um, so some, some regulations needed to be laid down to make people feel comfortable being there because it does get quite rowdy. Um, you know, it certainly can. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I personally, there's more, there's more cum stains on that sun deck. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm like, because you're living out of land and everyone's like shitting into a digging a hole and like shitting into (laughs) it and then like just like covering up with their toe and some dirt and stuff and like you know you're 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 showering their showers but how well are you showering and people are like douching (laughs) what i mean like that, that makes me want to refrain from going to be that intimate with somebody else like i just don't need to do that and i so i am also not a very sexual person there because it's not like what i necessarily need when i'm there you know i think one thing that i get out of it too is just like it reconnects me back to nature in a lot of ways and like and not just like a oh, I'm going to go hiking, but it's like recognizing like the wild aliveness that is everywhere, you know? I don't know. It's, yeah. you know, these are thoughts that I've had on on shrooms many times, but, and especially while being there. And one of the beautiful things about ritual is sort of like the recognition of all the elements and bringing that in. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. There's just, there's something about it that like, if I were to be a religious person, like I would worship, you know, fire, water, air, and earth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I would worship, you know, the natural world. I mean, I do. I guess that is my religion in a lot of ways, you know. But I don't know. It's a. Uh, it reminds me of 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 my spirituality yeah well you do have that real i mean i think you do have a connection to nature because you have that gorgeous back area behind your home um that's sort of wild is it still wild i know you were doing a little bit of landscaping but it was very it was very wild like the growth was very wild yeah i it's uh we've tamed it quite a bit right. since you, you her, last saw her a it. little bit of a and, cut yes <laughs> a little yes. trim it's a little more organized, you know, the vegetable patch and the right. herb garden. Like it's, it's a thing now for sure. Right. So, um, yeah, I remember, oh my God, here's a really funny story of mm-hmm. the last gathering that I went to. 
my last gathering was very traumatic by the way I was, and like i was there if, if i think i know what you're talking about <laughs> is your little spill down the ravine i oh, was no. there when you appeared out of the darkness uh, oh my god and i was just my like everything was covered in dirt and leaves and, probably, and i had just spent the last like 30 douche. minutes crawling up well, you know that's where, that's where all the, that's where they were all douching was on like Ugh. off of that cliff in the ravine. I was like, "Girl, she's just covered in shit." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I don't think I even realized that in the moment. But I, I did. I, taken, I was like, "I'm taking one last hit of ketamine, and then I'm going to lie down and fall asleep." It's probably <sighs> four in the morning right now. And I just like walked right off the edge and just tumbled all the way down, probably like a good 50 feet. And, Oof. you know, thankfully didn't break anything or yeah, hit any trees or, yeah. you know, uh, impale myself with a branch. Oh my, oh, hit my head on a rock. Oh my God. I don't know how I got so lucky. Yeah. I blame the ketamine because like, not for falling, but for saving, for not she, dying. She because relaxed, I think yeah. I was just like a little rag doll and like, you know, I just tumbled all right. the way down. But that wasn't the story I was going to tell, actually. <laughs> it was at the bathhouse a few days before. And I was, um, I was straddling this handsome, handsome uh, guy who with tattoos from New York and piercings. And I was on the bench. He was like sitting on the bench and I was straddling him. And I, we were like frotting, you know, like we had our dicks like You're... held together. You've heard of frotting. Maybe. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I what mean, is it? it's also is like it? not the necessarily, like, like it's a technical term, I guess. Because uh, you've never it heard of frottage? Is it, what is it? So oh, it's yeah, like, fro- fro- your frottage. I thought, is, but isn't it frottaging? Frottaging, frottage, frottage. I don't oh, know. I thought you said like, frotting. Fro- I think you can say that. I, I could be totally know. wrong. I, I don't know. Ladies and gentlemen, about. in case you didn't know, neither of us are sex therapists. <laughs> 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 we don't know the terms going in. <laughs> we were holding our dicks together Got with it. coconut oil and like jerking them off at the same time. And I was like squatting down on him. You know, and... Uh, for f- frotting is also like a sex practice for people who don't always like to have anal sex or prefer not to have anal sex. It's right. like because you can still sort of thrust and hump in the same way as you're just like rubbing your dicks on each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and like it can be fun on occasion. And in fact, like it's probably, you know, it reminds me of some of like my earlier sexual encounters with, you know, other people when I was a teenager, for example. Anyway, that's a whole nother rabbit hole of conversation. But um that's that's what that's when your guests return. <laughs> yeah, that's next season. <laughs> next season. Um. <laughs> um and I'm we're both about ready to come and I shoot my load all over his chest. He shoots all over himself and like I'm sort of just like heaving and breathing heavy. And I've kind of like out of my, out of breath because like I've been squatting and like kind of bouncing up and down for a little bit. Right. I hadn't eaten anything that day. Uh-huh. I 
just gotten out of the sauna where I was there for like, you know, an hour or something dehydrated. And I stood up, like I stood up and just like collapsed on the ground, like backwards and passed out. Oh my God. It was I remember you telling us that. (laughs) I like went white. My eyes rolled back. Like I was maybe having like a partial or minors, you know, um, well, yeah. What yeah, do you, you call got, it? You gotta eat. Oh, I know. It you was so eat. bad. You can't go up in that sauna and do that that frot frotting without, uh, yeah. without eating. Who, kn- who knew? <laughs> no frotting without could... eating. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, oh my god! But you know, one thing is so amazing about being there is that if someone's in need of help, like everyone will congregate to like help you. You know, make sure that you're okay. Yeah. And some, I have seen some queens need some help. Yeah. (laughs) You know, when you have a lot of things (laughs) happening, um, combinations of drugs and energies and people and wildness um, will work on you in a certain way. And sometimes you might just lose your damn mind (laughs) momentarily, but it does happen. And I think that's, that's like obviously one of the reasons many people go. It's one of the reasons why I go is that it a lot, like it's a space for me to also um, challenge, not challenge myself, but like get it out. You know, get the wildness out. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in my day-to-day, obviously I can't act that way, nor do I want to. You know, I don't want to be in that state of mind all the time. But be, but I feel like it allows me to keep a balance of, like, my curiosity and my need for, um, for ecstasy and for, you know, just indulgence and... You know what? What one would might consider to be, you know, fun, general yeah. of fun. You know, like, and to take it to a certain level that's, you know, on the more extreme side. And I don't know. I, you know, well, you know, all one, within reason, of course. You one know, thing I was I always. Think, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I was going to say one thing. I've always been taken um, by you is your ability to manage such a full life without collapsing because i would frequently see you and be like i know that you have been working so hard in essentially an over a nine to five job because you work sometimes on the weekends too and then i would see you out and about you know usually going a little hard or socializing and then you were also organizing uh, a hiking thing for a hiking group, like which would happen weekly until I think you kind of stepped a little bit back from that. And I'm like, how are you able to do all of this and not just fucking collapse? Like, I just, I mean, bitch, I, I could eat a cupcake and I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I kind of ask myself that sometimes too. And I don't know where like this boundless energy kind of comes from within me but um i you know it's something that i've really wrestled with in the pandemic because i don't have any outlets to release all that energy yeah 
Well, and, I was, I've been actually thinking about you during the pandemic because I'm like, I wonder what is doing because I mean, like, how are you managing? Um, I mean, I will admit, like, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I was drinking a lot. I was drinking by myself because, like, I couldn't, it was hard to, like, not have someone, somewhere to go or people to be with and, you know, events to attend. And so, like, drinking was, like, a great way to feel like I was doing something, you know, and occupying my mind or also not occupying my mind, disoccupying my mind, you know, and not and distracting me from feelings of loneliness and isolation because those did hit me really hard. And I did not necessarily, I did not have the tools and I'm only really recently recognizing and discovering what those tools are for myself, you know, like... Mm -hmm. I'm trying really hard to start, you know, a daily meditation practice. I've like, you know, I abandoned my yoga practice in 2020 completely, which mm -hmm. is a really, really sad thing for me because it's been a part of my life since I was, you know, Are you since like I discovered it in New York at Yoga to the People when I was 18 and right. would go and not pay for classes, you know? <laughs> I'm curious, are you one of, are you, I don't want to say one of those people, that sounds like I'm like, being judgmental, but I was gonna, what I want to ask you are, is, are you a person that needs to feel like you've just been working out hard in your yoga class in order for it to like satiate you? Like, do you need like a hard yoga? Like, does it need to be really challenging? I've dated two yoga instructors in my life, seriously. My first boyfriend was a hot yoga instructor who was all about you know, the workout and the sweat and all of that. And that was, you know, uh, the second way that I learned to do yoga. The first way was like a very straight, like vinyasa flow class mm -hmm. in New York. That was also a bit of a workout, but it was definitely like 15 minutes of meditating at the end of it, you know, sometimes. Right. Um, and then my second to last boyfriend uh, was also a yoga instructor and he was very much of the opposite sort of mindset and like, you know, really took more of a mindfulness and meditation practice to into his yoga practices. And I learned to appreciate that very much because, yeah, my modus operandi is to constantly be in action, you know, and learning to be okay being still and being mm -hmm. observant and um, internal, which is, you know, and like noticing my body, noticing my, the feelings that come up, noticing all that stuff, you know, it was very new for me. Yeah. Um, I've taken classes with the boyfriend to which you refer. So yeah, I, can, mm -hmm. I hear what you're saying. Um, I know that I, I stopped going to yoga um, and just only, well, I only do yin yoga now just because I, those like core power yoga or like vinyasa, like like those flow intensive yogas and things like that, I don't have like time to have any type of internal <laughs> sensations. Because you're like, you're moving so fast. I'm like, this is not feel good to me i feel like rather than like getting any type of stretch 
and I'm just like trying to, I'm trying to aesthetically look like what the instructor's doing. And I'm not really having, I'm not really aware of my body. I'm just like, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, yeah, it can be really tough. I think, um, you know, I've been practicing for like, oh my gosh, like 15 years or something like that. Like regularly, you know, often regularly and off and on, but most regularly, I feel like I've always, you know, had a, a yoga studio that I would go to wherever I was. And uh, you kind of end up learning how to do your own version of everything in a lot of ways, I think. Or you, you know, recognize where how they're signaling the class and what the flows are. And it takes a lot of time. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure to make it look good, you know. And I think that pressure ends up being what turns a lot of people off and also what causes a lot of injuries, you know. Yeah. If you're because you're trying to do something and forcing your body into something that it's not ready to do, you know. Yeah. So or will or may never be ready to do. <laughs> you know, that was one thing that Armin's class was really he was really good about saying like um here's, you know, this is the position that uh that we're going to get into. Now mm. if you want to take it to the next level, try this, try this. Don't feel pressure to do that, you know, like yeah. being being here is just fine. Even if you think you can go, don't do it today. Yeah, I just, carry just today. I carry some next things that Armin has said in their class with me now, and still use them several years later because they were so helpful and insightful. Um, mm -hmm. And no one has ever said that before. And I was like, "Oh, well, that makes sense. Now I understand." <laughs> you know, <laughs> last night when I was hanging out with him, um, I told him like that that was sort of like one of my biggest. Uh, things that I admired about him is his intuition. He has such great understanding of like the body, but also just like human interaction and humanity. I don't know. He's just like, he's such an intuitive person. He just knows things. He's, he's really good at trusting his gut. And I admire that a lot with him. It's cute. I hadn't seen him since... Oh my God, well, I probably since like a hike probably in right. January of last year or something. Um, and that was, that was a nice little reunion over lentil soup. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love lentil soup? Seriously. It's so good. Well, we should start wrapping up. But before we do, I want to ask you, um, what is one thing you're looking forward to in 2021? Uh, just, I think there's a lot that I'm looking forward to. Um, there's one that's a double-edged sword that I've been thinking about a lot lately. And it's, uh, I'm glad that I don't have to wake up every day and worry about Twitter and politics. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I am kind of worried that I don't have to worry, that I feel like I don't have to worry about it. You know, because just because like, you know, Biden is our president and, you know, the left is back in the executive office. I don't want to be sort of less vigilant, you know, mm -hmm. um, about our government. And 
I, you know, feel like we should still keep our leaders accountable, you know, and I'm afraid of people being um, content and to acquiesce to, you know, a a standard that we're that we've that we experienced before that we're expecting again and to not invoke radical changes that are necessary for our country to become better you know and i don't want us to like lose that you know kick in the ass the 2020 the 2020 was into action you know um so I think that's something that I, I'm looking forward to seeing how we all continue on and continue to take, you know, action in our communities to keep each other accountable and to, you know, make the changes that we want to see in our country. And um, I know that, like, it, my company, like, they've been taking it very seriously. And there's, I don't know whether it's a lot of lip service or not, but, you know, there's definitely a lot of, talk and you know company-wide meetings and panels and presentations and you know fact presentations about you know demographics within our within our company that don't reflect society that need to change and how like our executives are going to ensure that you know our company reflects the world that we live in and that it's not you know 5% African-American employees or something or whatever it is that, you know, is super underrepresented within the Walt Disney company. You know, don't quote me on that percentage. I, they they did really sit publicly, but I don't remember what it is, but it's astonishingly low, you know? So, and I, that seems like very positive, progressive, actionable things that I've seen but I just, I want there to be more, you know? Mm. I think a lot of us, especially as, you know, progressives and radical queers, right? you know, that's something that we definitely want to desire. And it's kind of like our lot in life to push it. Yeah. You know, to push it forward. I certainly feel that way in my career, you know? I feel like I'm definitely the voice within the in the room that is like a queer perspective and always sort of like second guessing like is this the right way we want to present things and I recently joined our our pride resource group which is like our LGBTQ mm-hmm. um like leadership like leadership board um where we are often you know, given scripts and given pilot ideas to like vet and make sure that if there is like, you know, queer inclusion, that it's done appropriately and by hiring mindfully. An, an, entire, an entire black trans cast and black trans. Oh my God. Well, that's, the, I, you know, joining that group, I kind of was like, wait, this is my, this, I'm volunteering to do this as like a side hustle for the company like why don't we have like a whole group of people that we've hired to ensure this process right you know but you know i'll take i'll take what we can get you know? well you look great 
Oh, thank you. I've lost 15 pounds since January 1st. You do look thin of the face. <laughs> oh, that's the first thing that goes. It's um, like... Yeah, yeah. For me. That and my ass. The belly's the last, and it's the worst. Yeah, I, you know, those... The, my my side. I mean, the love handles are always the last to go. <laughs> and sometimes they don't want to leave, bitch. They're the last people hanging around the party like, girl... Open up another Chardonnay. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're here for a while. Yeah, we're not leaving. <laughs> Do you have any questions, feedback, or want to share a story about reconnecting? You can drop me an email at I miss you podcast at gmail.com. Find and follow the show on Instagram at I miss you podcast. I miss you is hosted, edited, and produced by me with lots of help from the universe. This episode was recorded at House of Pod in Denver, Colorado. Our podcast graphic was designed by Ian Sklarski. New episodes are released weekly on Wednesdays. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, and show some love with lots of stars. It really helps. If you would like to support I Miss You, as well as get additional content and access to our members-only Facebook group, where you can connect and share with other listeners, consider subscribing to Patreon. You can find a link to Patreon in our Instagram bio or at our website at imissyoupodcast.com. And finally, reach out, connect, and spread the love by telling all of your friends about our show. Till next time, new friend.